Guten Morgen, meine Freundin. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? It's good to see all of you. It's always good to be here because I love you all so much. And I'm going to try to stay in my proper place 70% of the time. And, and uh, love the pastor. Give him a hand. Isn't he wonderful? And I'm thankful for a pastor who loves being here. He's not looking for some other place to go because he's found the place. And I thank God for that kind of spirit. Take your Bibles now, if you will, and turn to the book of Acts. The second chapter. Most churches in our day do not have a clue what they ought to be. In the Southern Baptist Convention, the average church baptizes two per year. 25% do not baptize anybody. And our sole reason for existing is to reach a world for Jesus Christ. Here in this great chapter, we will find what we must do if we want to see a church grow like crazy. You remember the background. Jesus went up. Holy Spirit came down. Christians went out. Lost came in. The church went on and they won three thousand people to Christ in one day. I believe that what God did then, He can do today. His power is no less. His purpose is no different. So let's see what God expects of us if we're going to have a power like that. Note how it begins. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. First of all, write this down, there was an accord. They were united. And one of the great tragedies, one of the great tragedies in our day is the church is segmented in many, many, many different parts. Did you know there are over 30 different Baptist denominations? Two seed in the spirit predestinarian Baptists? That's true. Seventh-day Baptist. United Baptist, that's a strange name for a divided church. Jesus prayed that we would be one. It is not his will that his church be divided. Years ago, I received a call from Wisconsin. The voice that in the line said, you do not know me, but I am the president of all the Lutheran churches that are mega churches in the United States. 
I read about you in Radical Outreach, and we want you to come to Puerto Rico with your wife, and you want to have an opportunity that's going to be unbelievable. That is, you're going to give it an hour and a half each time to preach. Would you like that? And I went, and it was one. I thought they'd be sort of stiff, you know, Lutheran sort of. It seemed like a Pentecostal church. They were wonderful. Amens. By the way, do y'all know how to say amen? amen? I can't hear you. Amen. All right. Amens, hallelujahs, shouting, clapping. I thought I'd die and go to heaven. It was wonderful. But there was one difference. <laughs> At four o'clock, they had their happy hour. And they didn't think anything of it. I didn't think much of it either. Because I've always had a fear of alcohol because I had an uncle who was an alcoholic committed suicide. And I worked two years at Norton Psychiatric Infirmary in Louisville as part of my training dealing with alcoholics. And the editor of Courier Journal was an alcoholic there, and Catholic priests were. And then we've taken care of over 7,000 alcoholics in our church at Leesburg in the center there. And I tell you what, I have a real fear of alcohol. I've never had a drop. I don't even use aftershave lotion because it had alcohol in it. But when I left, I could have said, you know, they're not really saved because they drink. But that would have been a lie. Because I want you to know these men were on fire for Jesus. We differed at that point. But they are my brothers in Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that we have people who are brothers and sisters who are not of our fold. When we were reworking our Good Samaritan Inn there at Leesburg for people who had no home, one day we had 40 plus people working from 14 denominations. I thought I'd die and go to heaven. Christians working together as one in the name of Jesus Christ. But look what else it says here. I love this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That is, there was an appropriation. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, the greatest need we have as Christians is that we be filled to the overflow with the power of God's Spirit. I have seen some awesome things in the work of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was called to Zephyr Hills to pastor church about this size and I said we're going to start having 
prayer meeting on Wednesday, and they said, what do you mean start? We've been doing that for years. I said, no, you don't understand. We're going to have a prayer meeting. No Bible. No singing. Nothing but praying. And in the first 10 months, as a result of the prayers of God's people, we had so many people saved that we were 13th in the nation in baptisms out of 40,000 churches that you're not a man thing, but a God thing. Then I remember when I got to Leesburg, I got a call to go out west to a church, a Korean church leading revival. It was the only church in the area growing. And the pastor said on Sunday night, he said, would you like to go to a prayer meeting with me in the morning? I said, absolutely. I've heard about y'all. How many of y'all heard about Korean prayer meetings? They are awesome. Five o'clock in the morning, we met and went to church on Monday. And the church was packed out. Amazing. And the pastor would mention a need and then they'd all start praying out loud. Now, not like I'm speaking, but whispering. And it was the sweetest sound that I've ever heard. So I came back to Leesburg, and I said, this is what I experienced there. We're going to experience the same thing here. I've got enough sense not to ask you to come up 5 o'clock, because I'd be there by myself. We will do it at 7 o'clock. Every morning, I'm talking about Monday through Saturday, we will pray together. And as a result, God's power fell on that church like I'd never seen before. And we started baptizing not 200, but 300 every year. One year we had 366. And I said, well, we finally became a New Testament church. The Lord added the church daily those that were being saved. And the Lord raised so much money as a result of the prayers of God's people that even though we spent millions on the village for hurting people and a school and all these other things, we bought 33 parcels of land, we never had to borrow one dime because God moved in such a mighty, powerful way. Let me tell you, the first thing you ought to do here is start a seven-day prayer meeting at 7 in the morning. Now, we had an agreement. If they had to leave early to go to work, it was understood. You just slip out. And the pastor didn't always lead. Had deacons one day, and it was absolutely awesome. Awesome. And then, note what else it says. And I love this. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? There was an amazement. The lost world was amazed at that church. The lost world is amused at the modern church. And I want you to know when a church becomes a real church, it becomes a church that will amaze.
hours happened in an unusual way. Several years ago, and you won't believe it today as hot as things are, but several years ago, there was a hard freeze going to hit Leesburg. And the houses were not equipped for that hard of a freeze. So I said, why don't we open up the gym and let people come and stay and stay warm? So I called a reporter at Channel 9, and she came over. We told her what we we're going to do, and then she said, and I didn't even think about this, she said, is there anything the community can do to help? I said, well, I hadn't thought about it, but if they want to, they can bring some sleeping bags and stuff like that. The next day, I could not believe it. Our street was lined up with people with trucks and cars loaded up with sleeping bags. They brought so many that one of the rooms off from the gym was filled to the ceiling. And with that simple act, we became known as the church that cares so much so that several years later, when hurricanes, and we had, y'all remember when we had three in a row? I do. I was in the middle of it. The city called us and said, our servicemen are going to be out helping people. Can their families stay at your church? There was over 50 churches they could have called, but they called us because they found out we cared. And we had the opportunity to minister to all of these. And one of the exciting things, they brought a generator so big, we were not without electricity wherever those were. God is so good. Then we started our ministry village. That was a God thing. God spoke to me almost verbally. We bought 28 houses and we put people in those houses, but those houses were not nice. If termites had quit holding hands, they'd have collapsed. And God almost spoke to me verbally, says, you're not doing the right thing. I said, what am I doing wrong, Lord? He said, well, you're putting people in houses you wouldn't want to stay in. You need to build a whole new village. We just raised money for something else, and now we were in recession in Leesburg due to the freezes and all. I said, Lord, is this the time? He said, this is the time. We raised the money in 30 days to build the ministry village with a drug center, women's shelter, children's home, pregnancy care center, medical center, et cetera, et cetera. And because of that, the church became known in the nation as a church that cares. In fact, I talked to a friend of mine who was a professor at one of our seminaries. He said, I've traveled the entire world and I've never seen another Baptist church in the world that has as many ministries as First Baptist Leesburg. 
that happened because of a God thing, not man. And that brought an amazement to people. I've had grown men walk up to the pregnancy care center, drug center, other places, and break into tears and say, we always knew that's where the church ought to be. Always did. But we've never seen it before. It's a God thing. And then, not only an amazement, notice the attitude, verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Now, 11, they had the idea they were going to take the whole world for Jesus Christ. They didn't have any computers. Thank God. They didn't have all the stuff people think they have to have to get it done. They didn't have any sanctuaries. They didn't have any of this stuff. All they had was the power of the Holy Spirit and the belief that when he's there, we can do it. And I want you to hear me. One of the things that kills the church is anytime the pastor suggest something new. And by the way, having been a pastor for 70 years, I've learned that Baptists don't like new stuff. In fact, we suggest new stuff. And a lot of them are getting it. In fact, we better do something right the first time because we're going to be doing it that way for the next 200 years. That's our nature. But as we saw that going on, I realized anew, attitude is so important. How many of you believe that we could have a church here, like one in Leesburg, averaging over, averaging over 3,000 people in the big Sundays of the year? How many of y'all believe you could have that? I can't see your hand. I still can't see all of them. Let me tell you a story. When I was called to Leesburg, the church was this size when we got there. They set a high attendance goal that they weren't afraid they could do, you know, we might not be able to reach this, of 300. And they reached it. Had the right attitude. Four months later, I said, let's set a new goal. They said, well, how many? I said, well, how many y'all say? How about 400? Can you reach that? I said, oh, yeah, we can reach that. It'd be a piece of cake. How about 500? Well, that would take a lot of work, but we could do it. How about 600? They said, man, that would take a miracle. I said, that's a good goal. Four months from the day we set a high attendance of 300, we reached 600 in attendance because the people believed great things can happen. I believe this is a great church. 
I believe you got a great pastor. You got great deacons, great leaders, and a great music leader. And I tell you this, I believe that this church could jump from what it is now to 600 in a few months if we really believe God can do it. I heard some old me's and that, that's when you say amen. amen. That's when you say amen loud. How many of you would like to see this church eventually running 3,000 per Sunday? How many of you believe that God is capable of doing this? And that we must have the attitude to believe he can do it. Do you know that you have a whole lot more here than we had in Le when I came to Leesburg we had 15,000 people in the town and about 50 churches. We need to have an attitude. You know, people are sort of negative when it comes to attitude. Uh, <laughs> what do y'all call that thing that wakes you up in the morning if you have to have something to do it? What do y'all call that? Huh? Your dog, <laughs> probably Alarm! Alarm clock. That's an awful word. You ought to call it an opportunity clock. A privilege clock. Amen? Get rid of that negative attitude and say, it can bring great joy as I wake up. I can hardly wait to get up. And I love that. And then notice an allegiance. And that is verses 17 through 21. They had an allegiance to God's word. You know what the first Baptist distinctive is? We believe in the Bible as a sole norm of faith and practice. And you've got a pastor who preaches the word of God. And that is where we build the great, great church. And last but not least, read further down, and there were additions, 3,000 additions, because they did it God's way. I have a dear friend who moved to a cotton community. That's all they had there were cotton fields. and He had just gotten there a few weeks before, and he was walking down the sidewalk, and he saw a fellow sitting on his front porch. And he said, well, I need to go out and witness that fellow. So he walked up and introduced himself, and he said, uh, has anyone ever talked to you about Jesus? He said, no, sir. He said, uh, how long have you lived here? He said, most of my life. 
would you mind me talking to you about Jesus? He said, no, sir. And he did, and the man accepted Christ as his Savior. He then started down the stairs, and he noticed across the street was a lady. He recognized her. She was the wife of his chairman of deacons. And then he saw two children playing next door to the right. And their daddy was the chairman of the trustees in the church. And he looked just a little further down the road and he saw his church. Here was a man surrounded by professed Christians and no one, no one have ever shared Jesus with him. And the first one that did brought him to Jesus. Let me tell you this. The greatest responsibility and privilege you have is bringing someone to Jesus. But 97% of professed Christians have never brought anyone. I don't know whether there's a hymn book with that in it anymore. Must I single-handed go? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to grieve? Must I single-handed go? I wish they still had it because it would remind us of our number one task. What would happen if every person in this church were to win one in the next month? And when they get saved, they get really excited, and those will reach others. I believe this church has fantastic potential. But we must do it God's way. We must do it God's way. How many of you would like to see us do it God's way? Put your hands up and wave at me. Yes, God bless you. Now every head bowed, please. Every eye head bowed, every eye closed, every Christian praying. No one looking around. How many of you know that you know that you know if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. Put your hands up real high. You know that you would. All right, put your hand down. If you're not sure, I will not embarrass you because I tell you what, I don't like to be embarrassed. But if you're not sure, would you raise your hand wherever you are right now? Just raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Yes, okay. Are there others? Are there others? Okay. Remember this. When you accept Christ, you have five things that will happen. Number one, all your sins will be forgiven. All of them. Number two, 
all your sins be forgotten. He won't remember it anymore. Number three, Jesus Christ come and live inside of you and enable you to love and live as you've never loved and lived before. Next, you'd become a part of the greatest family on this face of this earth, that is, the family of God. And last but not least, when you die, you'll go to heaven. If you're not sure you have that, will you pray these words with me as I lead you right now silently? Just pray silently. Lord Jesus, I know you love me a lot. You died on the cross for me. And I am sorry I've waited so long. But today I wait no longer. I give my life to you. Thank you for loving me, for hearing my prayer, and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.